Have you ever watched the news or read a story and you feel like I've heard all of this stuff before? This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. It's like deja vu all over again. And welcome to the Thursday edition of Truth to Ponder. I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Got some stories and some things in front of me today that I want to share with you and then just kind of talk about what we need to be doing in facing this very strange world in which we live. I realize that I've been doing this program now, let's see, we're going on, going into our 10th month in uh, June, which comes up in about a week. Hard to believe we've been doing nine months of programming. I, I wondered when it first started, how long would it last? God, how long are you calling me to do this program? Is it important that I do such a program? And I want to thank the number of you out there that let me know day in and day out how much this program does mean to you. I do the best that I can. I'm just a one-person operation right now. I don't get paid. I basically put this program together takes uh, several hours per program to do the research and then do the scripting and notes and then the editing and distribution. So it takes a few hours a day minimum to get this program done. Whenever we're on the road, it's a little bit harder because then trying to find a place to record is often, often not easy under the current circumstances. But when I started this program, How's the best way to describe it? I felt a very strong leading to do something a little bit different than what everybody else is doing. It's one thing to talk about just the news and share some of the thoughts that most people, especially conservatives, might have. And it's another thing to just be a, quote, uh, church-based program which would tend, for the most part, to edify believers. In other words, it's just an edification ministry to help those that are fellow Christians along their way each and every day. Now, don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with an edification and a teaching ministry. What I've been trying to do in this program, and oftentimes it's not as easy as I wish it was, it's to... Find that place where the news of the day comes into a collision course with the gospel of Jesus Christ, or where churches have departed from the faith once delivered and are adapting more to being being a part of the culture, not really a part of the church. And there's a lot of cultural churchism going on today, and I'll share a couple of stories about that along the way. Many of you send material to me to review, uh, videos to look at, things to read, and I appreciate it. I will tell you with the amount of time that it takes for this radio program and other things, I don't always get a chance to see all the videos or all these suggested podcasts and, and even books people have sent for me to read. I've got two books sitting here in my office right now that I desperately and trying to find the time to read. If I can get ahead on some radio programs, and when we're traveling into Florida for a period of time, 
in about two weeks from now, I will try to read a couple of these books. I've got a couple of people I would like to interview on this radio program, and they've written some pretty good books. Not that I'm trying to sell you their book, but I think that what they have to say is something that you need to hear. And knowing these people as well as I do, in one case in particular, yeah, I think it's going to be something that will help you in your life as well. I did have a chance to listen to a podcast. Somebody said, you got to listen to this guy. And I'm not going to identify it per se because I don't want to be in the business of endorsing a podcast, not that I'm afraid to do it. I don't know the individual well enough. I don't know in terms of other aspects. From what I'm listening to, my wife and I spent about an hour yesterday had one of the first evenings where the weather has been nice, able to sit down outside, and I had a little our little podcast player thing outside with me, and I listened, and we kind of listened to what this guy had to say, paused it a few times so he could get something to eat, and, and a lot of what this individual said had a lot of merit, and had a couple of theories, and he points it out as theories. I'll kind of share one of them in just a moment. And there are a few things that, once again, you get off in the weeds. And I'm always concerned. One of the hardest things for me or anybody doing a program like this is to ensure factual accuracy. And here's here's what the problem is today. The ministers of truth, you know, the fascist book type people, the ministers of truth today are trying to set a narrative even though if you look over the past year, the things they said were a lie and were untrue or debunked, and if you believe this, you're one of those conspiracy theory, tinfoil, hat-wearing you know, weirdos that need to be shunned by the world. Well, oftentimes, a lot of the things that were said a year ago, six months ago, nine months ago, they ended up being true. We all know that right now from where did the virus come from. I said a year ago on your weekend show, when I just had the weekend version of this program, that this virus came from a lab in Wuhan. I said then, we don't know whether by accident or design. And that's one question to this day I still cannot answer. But Everything pointed, if you have a logical and reasonable mind, that this virus escaped from a lab in Wuhan, China. And the WHO and and the CDC and Dr. Fauci and everybody, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, slammed you down. You can't say that. It's horribly wrong. You must be a conspiracy theorist. And yet so many of the things that were said on this program, I look back now, and I'm trying to find any major or detectable misinformation that I shared with you over the past year. And in particular, since the end of last August, when this program began. Some days are easy to sit down and record the program. Other days, it takes extra work. And for some reason, 
a lot of extra work just to get through it. Today seems, it feels like one of those kind of days. I've been doing my reading, and, and one of the things that I try to do for you is to go through a lot of material and try to distill it down to the important bullet points you need to know. You know, take out all the superfluous material and, and just chip it on down to the essentials. We were talking about where this virus came from. And everybody that talked in terms of, well, this virus came from Wuhan. It was a political hot potato. People screaming on television, just literally cursing. But you want to realize that as we've figured out and shared on prior, prior programs, the, the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, a division of the National Institute of Health, headed by good old Dr. Dr. Anthony Fauci. He's been heading this thing since 1984. He was going to cure AIDS. Has for years provided grants to the EcoHealth Alliance and to other entities to conduct gain-of-function research on coronaviruses. It's plain and simple. EcoHealth Alliance, in turn, farmed out a good chunk of that research to the Wuhan Institute of Virology, from whence the SARS-CoV-2 now appears to have emerged. Let's go back a couple of weeks ago. Senate hearing. Maybe some of you saw this on television. Senator Rand Paul questioning Dr. Anthony Fauci on his group's funding of gain-of-function research on bat coronaviruses, some of which was conducted in the Wuhan lab. And guess what? Fauci denied the charges. Senator Paul, with all due respect, you are entirely and completely incorrect that the NIH has not ever and does not now fund gain-of-function research in the Wuhan Institute Do they fund Dr. Barrick? We do not fund... Do you fund gain, Dr. Barrick's gain-of-function research? D- Dr. Barrett does not doing gain-of-function research, and if it is, it's according to the guidelines, and it is being conducted in North Carolina. There you have it. You heard it for yourself. Kind of a curious denial, considering that the NIH's funding of all this research is so easily documented. And anybody like you or I can go online and double check. It doesn't take uh, an entire team of investigative reporters. Fauci and his organization have been funding gain-of-function research to the tune of a minimum of like close to $42 million. Understand, up until the year 2014, this research was conducted by a guy named Dr. Barrick, who you heard uh, Senator Rand Paul mention, who's at the University of North Carolina. In 2014, the United States government issued a moratorium on federal gain-of-function research funding And they did that, and here's why. Due to ethical 
and moral concerns and also safety concerns. What happens if these man-made viruses should accidentally escape? A lot of folks in the scientific community were not happy about gain-of-function research being done at all. And so sometime around that point in 2014, that gain-of-function research that, that Fauci lied to you and denies, but they did, started being funneled through all these other little nonprofits. See, here's the key. Fauci was, quote, technically correct saying we don't fund. We don't write a check saying for gain of function. We just happen to fund those that will do funding for gain of function research. In other words, we get a middleman to give us some plausible deniability whenever we have to be held responsible in front of the U.S. Senate or the American people perhaps maybe someday law enforcement, at least I pray it is. Let's be honest, Dr. Fauci has lied to the American people on a consistent basis, week in and week out. He tells you not to wear a mask. He tells you to wear one. He tells you that, well, you know, your mask protects me and mine protects you. And then he even drops this thing last year. You know, a mask could maybe protect you too without one study, not one scientifically researched study to prove to prove that point. And yet millions of people across the world and in the United States run around with a face mask on with the false hope, the false belief, the lie that a mask protects them. I see it all the time. People still wearing a mask, not that they care if you get it or not. They just don't want to get it. And they are believing and swallowing the lie that liar Dr. Fauci, who needs to be fired and possibly criminally charged for what he has done, in my opinion. He needs to be held accountable. He moves the goalpost every night around 2 o'clock in the morning and has done so. He's done so now for, what, 15 months? 15 months of just systematic lying. The man must have a seared conscience. The man has to be a retrobate, in my mind, a reprobate. There's no way a person with a non-reprobated mind would do the things that he does. And for this entire year, we, we get up every morning and it's just kind of a repeat of the same nonsense and if you try to tell the truth, you crush from a just like a bug. How many of you remember? Oh, one of the, there was a movie I liked. It, it came out many years ago. How many of you remember this line? It's Groundhog Day. Get up and check that hog out there. Yeah. Ooh, 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 ooh. Come here, Groundhog. Morning. Up to see the Groundhog. Didn't we do this yesterday? I will admit that I used to watch that movie many, many years ago, and I've seen it multiple times. Poor Bill Murray getting up there in uh, Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, that same cold and cloudy, miserable day. And when you think about the reality of what we're going through, we're going through Groundhog Day. 
when it comes to the elites of this world, those that are trying to take control, the narrative, the Dr. Fauci's, the same evil geniuses being supreme beings. Klaus Schwab and his great reset, Dr. Fauci, listen to everything I say, I can cure the coronavirus. The same empty-headed people just following all the illogical rules and everything that comes out of the mouth of, of any blue state governor. The same doctors, I should say the same paid doctors, spouting the same line on television, on videos, in the news. It's all the same, the same, the same each and every day. We're going through the same thing. And my wife and others say, when does it end? How do we fix it? And my answer is, it's not going to end, and we're not going to actually fix it. I'm telling you, we're not, if you think for one second that we're simply going to fix this at the ballot box, we're going to fix this and the world will be a good and better place. Let me assure you, I've read, I've read the scripture. It's not going to happen. We may get brief improvements, but if you look over the march of the last 2,000 years, in spite of all of our technology and advances in medicine, in science, and you name it, have we become a better people? <laughs> Hardly not. If anything, we become worse, more narcissistic, more needy. And dare I say in the United States, we become more violent. We want to defund the police so we can have more violence. My wife pointed out just yesterday. My, my wife is originally from Oregon. She's been on the East Coast now for like 25 years. But my wife pointed out that Portland, Oregon, not far from where she was raised as a child, saw an 800% increase in murders. And, and Lord forbid, you know, we, the other crimes are just shooting through the roof as well. And I really believe by an unholy and satanic design where the reprobate mayor, Wheeler, out there is just following Satan's little blueprint He'll destroy his own city and thinks he's doing God's work. That's what's so scary about this. And now when it comes to the vaccine, a lot of people are not going to take this. It's getting really bad when you have to start bribing people with hamburgers and, and potato chips, lottery tickets, scholarships, just to sign up to take this concoction this unproven concoction. There's no long-term study. You got Mayor de Blasio has announced a new program. This is about the best he can do. Vax and scratch. I kid you not. Vax and scratch. You get a $20 lottery ticket where you could win up to $5 million in the New York lottery. Don't worry about the side effects or the fact that maybe you might be dead in two years. Las Vegas. Las Vegas. How about a $5,000 entertainment package you could win from Larry Flint's 
hustler club in Vegas, including, dare I, do I say it? Yeah, free lap dances from a vaccinated stripper. And of course, if you're between the age of 12 and 15, come on in for free ice cream with your, with your jab. No parental consent required. What are they going to give away next? Free puppies? Bunny rabbits? And see, this is one of the things that is disturbing about this entire process. This the subordination of your children. In other words, when Hillary Clinton made those uttered those words from some African philosopher that it takes a village to raise a child, well, yeah, it just depends on who's in the village. If your village is full of reprobates and child molesters, it's not the village I want raising my child or even assisting or getting near them. Say what you want about vaccines, good or bad. I'm not going to get into that debate. I know that I had a number growing up. That's just the way it was. And some kids today have a lot more. Some I challenge. Some I'm not too certain why. But for whatever reason, by the time kids are two years of age, and this is because of the CDC and their recommendations, measles, mumps, rubella, uh, chicken pox, hepatitis A and B, diphtheria, uh, tetanus, whooping cough, and polio, and a whole bunch of others. They, they've been stabbed and jabbed multiple times by the time they're the age of two. And see, if it's not bad enough, because see, the government is stamping them USDA prime in this process, because you have people in the deep state of our government. Let's be honest about this. The deep state of our government, the type you can hardly fire, no matter who's in office. And they enter these indoctrination camps that we politely call elementary schools, middle schools, and high schools, where they are now in many states, not all, and I'm glad there's some governors in some states that are fighting this tooth and nail, where they are pushed into critical race theory nonsense, gender neutrality, fluidity, debased sexuality, socialism, and their role models are transgendered and overweight, pasty white health officials like Rachel uh, Levine. The reprobate mind is on display for you to see. It now runs the White House. It runs the White House. Look at them all. Listen to any of those people that have been put on the cabinet. And, And let me say this. I need to say this so if you're a new listener, you understand something. I know there are When you look at how you vote for somebody, I recognize there are times you vote for people who themselves personally may have many character flaws to be very polite. What I've been always voting for and what I tell you, I don't care if you live in Canada, the United States, in Australia, wherever you live, it doesn't matter. It is the policies that these people will push and ram through that you need to be deeply concerned about. It's that simple. 
our country has had leaders that did a great job as leaders who personally, shall we say, had many moral failings. I look at the policy. It's like somebody once said, well, how could you ever vote for Trump because he's just a mean tweeter? That went the whole nine yards. Just, you know, that he's this, he's been married so many times, blah, blah, blah. To which I reply, so name me, I said, put all that aside for a moment. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have any bearing on this next question. Answer me one question. List and name the policies that the administration had of Donald Trump that were a direct threat to your job, to your church, to your income, or to your freedom. Just name me the policies that were going to attack your freedom of religion, your ability of free speech, destroying jobs. Name me those particular policies. And once you share those policies, we will continue to have our discussion. In a year of asking that question to those that attack me personally and say, how can you do that? How can you... Listen, I don't care. Your righteousness is like filthy rags according to the scriptures before God anyway. So don't talk about somebody's moral character. Some of those never Trumpers that tried to act like they were the moral superiors of Donald Trump ended up being, well, pedophiles for crying out loud. No matter what they said or their alleged policies, you know, and so what I don't don't go there with me. Talk in terms of of their policy and the impact they're going to have on our families, on our children, on our church, on our freedom, our our ability to make a living. When you look at what is in the White House now, they are a threat to life. They are a threat to your living. They are a threat to your church. They don't, if you don't think so, believe me, they are. You'll find out if you let it go too long. They believe that they own your children, that your children are on loan to you where they don't feel like feeding them. That's pretty much the attitude of many of the blue state educators that these children, you know, it's your job to feed them, it's our job to mold them is their attitude. And we see the product that they are producing and it's vile, it is vicious, and it is increasingly becoming narcissistically dangerous. Kids are told to ignore what their parents believe. If you want to have sex at the age of 12, the school will teach you how to do it. And explain in many, not all places, but in many places, that it's really none of their your parents' business. And if you should get pregnant, you don't even have to tell them, we will take you to get that abortion. You fear not about anything. We'll cover you. This is the world in which we live today. 
And when you look at what has happened, and I'm going to be sharing some stories in the next half hour, a few things you need to hear that, that on a scriptural basis. I'm going to get into some stuff you just have to understand. The church in the United States, for the most part, and I say this cautiously, I don't think I would have said this 20 years ago. But I'm saying it now. There was a time 20, 25, 30 years ago. I saw two things occurring in our culture. As I became increasingly aware, as, you're, as you get older and you're taking on a lot more responsibility, by the time I hit my 40th birthday, I recognized several things. Number one, our world was gradually getting more secular and things of church, spiritual, Christian, were being increasingly laughed at, mocked, and pushed off to the side. Yet in many parts of the country and many people still were vigilant in holding on to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they pushed back. But over time, true Christians were moved into the minority status. I think it was a lot longer ago than recent years. We've had what I call a cultural Christianity crisis. And what I mean by a cultural Christianity crisis is very simple. United States, Canada, United Kingdom, Australia, pretty much all of Western Europe for the most part, fell into cultural Christianity decades ago. And from cultural Christianity, they become cultural agnostics. And here's, here's what I mean by that. 45 years ago, if somebody was a clergyman, for example, even 25 years ago, whether somebody agreed with that individual or not, there was a certain level of respect. Even that's gone. Any modicum of respect is gone. A lot of people used to go to church on a somewhat regular basis. Now they don't even bother to do that anymore. We are cultural Christians in many ways because of grandma and grandpa and the potential of an inheritance. Let's be honest. Yeah, we got to go to church to christen that kid and then there's a confirmation or a wedding or a funeral. Whatever, whatever. But your life is not in the church. Your life is not in Christ. Period. If you go back 50 years ago, the number of people that were believers and would tell you as such, without being ashamed at all, was fairly significant. But every year, since about the time that I graduated high school, it has been eroding. It didn't erode in the rural areas initially, but it started in the cities and then it's worked its way pretty well across our entire culture. We now understand that it is a minority of people in the United States today that have any affiliation, any participation of any kind with any church, synagogue, or even a mosque. That's the minority. And of those in that minority, how many of them 
are involved in, shall we say, woke churches that have abandoned the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, a significant number of churches are no longer Christian churches by any definition you could possibly, could possibly imagine. Christians are in the minority, but we're still the salt and life in this world. We are marching to a day of God's judgment. We are marching to a day of reckoning. We are marching into a time where increasingly Christian conversation will be silenced. And I'm going to explain how that's going to happen and some of the things you need to know. And then I'm going to share as we begin the next segment, something that somebody said on a podcast. Do I agree with it? I don't know, but it is some strange food for thought. Do you support the work we're doing here at Truth to Ponder? We'll talk about our satellite project in the next half hour. And also, we're going to try this summer. We're working. I have a plan for increasing the shortwave outreach. Hopefully by July sometime, you'll see it come to fruition. We'll talk about that on the other side. If you believe in what we're doing, consider some financial support to pay the radio airtime bill. Not not me. There's no personnel. And that can be mailed to 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263, in Sky Valley, Sky Valley, Georgia, 30537. This is Truth to Ponder. With Bob Beerman, the Beaver People. Shalom Alechem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Beavers are interesting animals. And what do they do all day? They dam up rivers. They build dams. Well, you know rivers are important in God. In fact, it's prophesied that in the days of the kingdom, rivers of living water will flow from the house of the Lord in Jerusalem and cause the desert to bloom with life. See, rivers represent the spirit and life of God because the spirit's always giving and the life of God's always flowing. But the problem is, even though God's like a river, his people often tend to be more like beavers. We swim around his blessings, we get refreshed in his truth, and then we build dams. We dam up our lives. We dam up our walks. We dam up the blessings that God wants to flow in our life. What kind of dams do we build? Dams of unforgiveness, dams of bitterness and compromise and fear, dams of doubt, dams of dishonesty, of coldness, dams of gloom, dams of walled up relationships. The problem with dams is they stop the flow of the river. If you want to live by the spirit, then your life has got to flow. If you want to live in God's abundance, then your life has got to flow. And your life cannot flow as long as you have those dams damming it all up. You know what happens when you build dams in your life? You damn your life. You damn your life to missing all the blessings God would have you know. But you want the abundant life that God has for you? Then break open those dams, my friend. It's going to take some work, but you need to do it. Break open that dam of unforgiveness and bitterness. Break open the dam of compromise and gloom and fear. Break open the dam you put up against that other person. Break that dam open and let the river of God's blessing flow into your life because you are a child of blessing and not a beaver. Want more? Ask for Living Waters from Jerusalem. Now, hidden for 2,000 years, now revealed the awesome, unprecedented mystery of the temple doors and sapphires guaranteed to help you become strong and victorious in God. How do you get these free gifts free? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and dial it. That's all you do. Just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. You'll be so blessed, but call now. 1-800-YESHUA-1. 
Now I invite you to join me in bringing salvation back to God's ancient nation, Israel, and all the unreached peoples on five continents with over a billion people. Just call now, 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or write me direct, the nice Jewish boy, at Box 1111 in Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. It's a nice Jewish boy. It's Box 1111. Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Well, till next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying Shalom Aleichem to you. Peace be to you, my friend, in Messiah, Sar Chaim, the Prince of Life. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of our Thursday edition of Truth to Ponder. Went just a little bit over in that first segment, but I think for, for good reason. Got a lot of stuff I want to share on this second half of the program that's a little bit different from the first half. But things that I really believe you need to start becoming aware within our culture especially in what I call the church culture. Some of what I'm going to share you may not want to hear, and you're welcome to disagree, but I think you need to hear it anyway. As far as what we're doing here, besides the radio program, we're still trying to increase our satellite outreach. That's going to be something new, and I'm waiting for a couple of emails back, maybe by tomorrow, maybe by the first part of next week. I can give you a more definitive timetable. We're going to try to get a satellite channel launched, and I'm just waiting for the final word. We're almost ready, should be ready by Saturday night, and whenever they're ready, we can probably put this together. My goal is to have a satellite channel on free-to-air satellite using the Glory Star satellite system. I'm just waiting for paperwork. We're not, we're almost there. I'm ready. I'll be ready. And the idea is to bring you some Christian music, as I've told you before, that you just don't find on the radio anymore because it's not easy to mass market. It's not being pushed by those that are trying to make money, lots of it, from from music sales. Many churches are into that, what I call the music business. And a lot of radio stations that are family-friendly or somewhat Christian, they push this music. Now, it sure beats some of the stuff you find in other radio stations, but it's not the end-all, be-all of what our Christian faith should be. And, and that's, that's my point. There's a lot of Christ-centered music that just has disappeared from hymnals, uh, nowadays projectors in many churches. It has disappeared from many radio stations far too many and I want to use this free to air satellite channel as a way to bring you that kind of music several times a day you'll be able to hear truth to ponder haven't decided what times of the day once we get it figured out we can do it sometime in the early afternoon late afternoon early evening and late at night multiple times to cover the time zones it's on the it's on Galaxy 19 if you understand free to air satellite 
you can either buy a pre-packaged system or you can get a lot of satellite little companies will sell you a very easy to install system do it yourself for under $200 you own the equipment there is never a monthly charge and that's the key for free to air so I'm thinking what a way to have a radio channel you can listen to nobody knows you're listening nobody knows what you're listening to and to be able to find this Christ-centered music you can watch a bunch of Christian TV channels I don't endorse them all but they're there or there's a lot of radio channels push the little button on the remote to say radio and there's a big choice to go through and I hope to be a part of that very soon keep us in your prayers over the next week as we get ready to head to Florida for a brief time um, working on where to if you're going to use regular mail I think I've got an idea a couple of really good ideas on, on just keeping the one address up here for now and eventually I'm going to have to come up with what I call a permanent mailing address where I can have somebody that I trust to at least sort the mail and make sure that the mail gets directly back to me even if it's a day or two late hopefully I want to have it done in the area that we're spending the most time in but at least this one when we're traveling we can we can deal with the mail and I'm just praying about that if you got some ideas let me know once again I want to get back to a little bit different topic. We talked about the virus. We talked about this, that, and the other. I will only say this. In in a little podcast that I heard the other day, this guy was beginning to wonder if if maybe, you know, and I I can't say that I agree with this, but it is some funny food for thought. What What if this vaccine backfires and does shorten the lives of many people? Who are the majority of people that are taking and pushing the vaccine? The leftist. Hmm. Be interesting to see if somehow this becomes their demise or for many. Who knows? It's just a thought. That's why I don't get into endorsing a lot of uh, podcasts. I don't have the time to listen to sufficient episodes. But it is. there's some interesting things out there. Just have to use some good discernment. Like Christians today need to use good discernment when it comes to some of these famous teachers and preachers and others that are out there. You know, in 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 the evangelical world, we've had some really strange things come down the pike in the last um, 25, 30 years. Now, some stuff comes around, hangs around for a while, and gets pushed out in favor of something new and sometimes even worse, but but something new. And this what what's called the seeker-sensitive churches, and I've got, I need to, we'll, we'll do a whole show on that, why I've got issues with some, not all, of their thinking and theology. The seeker-sensitive church is now one of the longest-running, well, models, let, let's say, in our modern times. And, and they try to get people into church by making church fun and exciting. Now, in the, in the case of a guy by the name of David Crank, he's the pastor of Faith Church. The enticement comes by making what he calls the church compelling. Now, what is, what is David Crank's version of compelling? Well, in a sermon he preached not long ago, if you want to call it a sermon, call it a message, call it a pep talk, 
oh, it's cracking weed or marijuana jokes and making the church into a comedy club. Man, I'm messed up today. I don't understand. I take one week off and I come back with a bunch of weed jokes. Okay, so as, as, as we kind of bring this to a close, make it compelling. Everybody shout it again. Make it compelling. Make it compelling. So you, you're laughing right now. What am I doing? I'm making my preaching compelling. I could get up and say, you know what, you guys, you never invite anybody to church, and I'm about sick and tired of it. People are dying and going to hell. What the heck are you doing? Ah! How many of y'all think that's not very compelling? But if I paddle up alongside you, get you laughing about medicinal marijuana, and now you're just laughing away, start cracking jokes on Nicole's Minute Rides, and then now you're saying, maybe I will invite Bob to church, because it's like a comedy club, because when you go to a comedy club, you got to get drunk for the guy to get funny, but it's nine o'clock on a Sunday morning, and this guy's pretty funny. I'm here to tell you, make church compelling. It should be easy, because this is the greatest church in the whole world. Give God praise today. Now, let me ask a question. What is your reaction when you hear that? Honestly, what is your reaction when you hear that? There was a time in my life, in let's say my journey, so to speak, that I would probably have been somewhat fine with that. But over the years, as I've begun to understand the concept of the holiness of God, the righteousness of God, the sovereignty of God, I find some of this stuff increasingly offensive. The entire, the entire seeker-sensitive movement these days seems to be based on an assumption the church is, you know, a club for non-believers and and. The foolishness of preaching, the preaching of God's holy word is no longer sufficient. Think about that. That is the key, that preaching God's word is just no longer sufficient. We have to use gimmicks to bring people in. We have to make them feel good about themselves. We need the light show, the smoke machine. We need the tight, skinny jeans. We need the praise band. One of my listeners to this program sent a very compelling email months ago to me that said that when she first heard me talking about some of the issues I have with what I call the Contemper X Church, she felt a little offended until the coronavirus hit and shut down her church. And she said that, you know, the the kind of comments that I were making were the kind of things that a year before, she would have been very resistive to and very offended by until she had to watch her church at home online because where she lived at, they only could have a, just a, a few of the worship team in there, and they had all the, well, you know, the entire multimedia presentation. And it suddenly dawned on her this was nothing but a theatrical presentation and it wasn't worship. It was choreographed to invoke emotion and feelings and response. Not the gospel, not the Holy Spirit, but using the power of theatrics. And this is one of the issues that I have. 
I, I was invited several years ago, and I've gone a couple of times, and I visited these kind of churches, and everybody's standing there just swaying to the music, and the lights get dim, and the guy that knows everything comes out there wearing his T-shirt, and, you know, he's got his jeans on, he's got his plexiglass lectern. They don't even want to call it a pulpit. And he starts, you know, with giving you the pep talk with a little side of Jesus. And at the right point in time, everybody seems to know in the praise band when to quietly work their way back up to the stage. It's not a, it's not, there's no altar. There's no altar. It's just a stage with stage lights, stage hands. And they begin to play the soft music underneath him as he tries to draw you in. And convince you by your emotion to become become a person of so-called faith. It's just bad theology. And you, you meet a lot of these people. They still live their regular lives, but they do come to the church. And I wonder at times, I've met so many that say, well, I went to church today and I got nothing out of it. I just felt like I wasted my time. Worship is never about you. It never should be about you. If it is about you, you're not worshiping, period. End of discussion. Worship time is not about you. And too many that go to these stupid contemporex churches with the praise band, the skinny jeans, the light show, and the smoke machine, they think that going to church is all about what I get. It's what you give. We have other strange Bible teachers out there, a gal named Jen Wilkins. She's a teacher at uh, the Village Church in Texas, Matt Chandler's church. They've had their share of issues over the years. It is technically or supposed to be a Southern Baptist church, but they have walked away from so much of the, well, shall we say the traditional gospel message that's been around for 2,000 years. And they're gradually falling into the social gospel. They've traded in the real gospel for this social justice gospel. And they're on board with all of it, including critical race theory and intersectionality. That's another big word that's being thrown around. See, Jen Wilkins says that women, because of their biology, their, how do I put this politely, their monthly period. Because of that, women now have a special insight into the crucifixion. I want you to think for a second about what the implications might be about the way that women understand the gospel as a result of being embodied females. And I apologize if this makes you uncomfortable. Women's bodies every 28 days tell them a parable about the shedding of blood for the renewing of life. You don't think that changes the way that we encounter the scriptures? Men only bleed when something is wrong. Okay, here's what bothers me about what I just heard. It all sounds good. And and most of these speakers and so-called teachers, leaders... They have wonderful sounding words. And and they 
they're just like what the Bible teaches, heaping upon yourself teachers with your itching ears to hear that what you want to hear. Because as St. Paul told Timothy, and he tells us today, the time will come, I've, it has come, where people, where so many will no longer endure sound doctrine. They want to feel good. And that's why when I look at the minority left that even claim to be in some kind of church or synagogue or mosque or whatever, we're down to 47%. How many of those people are really in the church, are really a part of the true body of Christ? Or how many have run off heaping upon themselves teachers with their itching ears? You see it in the contemporary churches that that try to sound like we are true to the scriptures. Then you have the other churches, like many of the mainline, that are just openly like, hey, we don't care what the Bible says. We voted to reject it, and God must listen to us. What arrogance and what a way to mock God. A lot of churches out there promoting things the Bible condemns and celebrating sin as a part of what they are and who they are and what they continually want to be. This is the kind of stuff that we need to, as Christians, begin to recognize. And we, be, we have to tell our friends, it's not just the atheist or the agnostic or the non-believer or the pagan. And face it, if you're of a reprobate mind, you have given yourself over to the spirit of Moloch. We'll talk about that one day and how that really happens, no matter how much of an atheist you claim to be. You're living the spirit of Moloch. You just don't go to worship, per se, but you're living the spirit. We need to confront this. St. Paul says we must preach in season and out of season, even when it's popular or not popular. I have no choice but to give you the truth. If I don't, then I'm failing you. Now, let me get to this next item that's going to take us away to where this world is heading and to clear up some things, at least on a scriptural basis. Is the day coming when we're going to have to face something like this? May I see your papers? I don't think I have them on me. In that case, we'll have to ask you to come along. Wait, it's possible that I... Yes. Here we are. These papers expired three weeks ago. You have to come along. Halt! Halt! Those words, papers, please. You've heard them in many a movie from World War II. Some of the most shall we say, unfree words in the English language. And the Western world has established itself and prided itself on freedoms, and do we really have them anymore? The thing is, the time is coming soon. In America, Great Britain, Canada, all over the world, where governments are beginning to plan this unprecedented surveillance and control And they're using the pretext of COVID-19 and, of course, the fear of the uh, coronavirus. I mean, we spent a whole year hyping the fear. And if you've listened to this program, they've also hyped the numbers. Yeah, I know people get this stuff, and I know people that have died of it. I know people that were untreated that could have died and came close. 
but it was oversold a year ago as in the United States. You know, three and a half million people will die by July of last year. Never happened. Yet we still continued on with things that didn't make any sense, didn't do any good, and time has proven that this thing has been pushed beyond beyond limits. But see, nowadays with technology, remember I told you before, we've come a long way in 2,000 years in technology. We're still as evil and sinful internally. We just have more powerful ways of exhibiting and, and doing it. It'll require no papers. It'll require something like your smartphone or some other device. New vaccine passports. Imagine when you get up in the morning, you just check to make sure that you're up to date. You can get your train ticket. You can go somewhere. You can go to, look, there are states right now, countries right now. The day's going to come in some cities to, to go down to that new sandwich shop. You'll have to check in with your vaccine passport. The thing is, and the problem is, the government's going to know everything you do each and every day. They're going to be they're going to be looking over your shoulder on everything you do if you allow them to. Going to the gym, going anywhere, does it seem far-fetched? Not really. You got governments already talking about it. New York State, the Excelsior Pass, all the vaccinated get to sit in the good seats and all the unclean, unvaccinated have to be, well, herded away to a different part of the stadium because they are going to kill grandma with their corona infections. Israel now, restaurants, sporting events are open if you have a vaccine pass. United Kingdom has been clear about theirs for a vaccine passport, European Union. Like I say, the one in New York, others are talking about it as well. In Michigan, a few other states are already citing, you know, we need to do something. And and even though, you know, the pretender in the White House, Biden, said that he's going to leave it up to the states, there's already talk about how to do it nationwide. It, it's only in recent years we've had some ability like this to track our citizens in real time. We never could do it before. It's going to affect your schooling. It's going to affect, you know, there are employers right now saying, if you want to continue to work for our fine company, you need to have your, your coronavirus uh, vaccine or you can't work here anymore. And is this the mark of the beast? Here's the good news. I don't think that it is, but I think it's the prelude. And we're going to pick up this discussion tomorrow. Do you believe in what we do here in this program? Would you help us financially? Our mailing address is 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263. We are located in Sky Valley, Georgia. Two words, Sky Valley, Georgia. And the zip code here is 30537. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.